Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. We're living in a time where some of us is hard to go to sleep and for others it's hard to stay asleep. We're waking up because the burdens on our heart, the thoughts in our mind, the long period of isolation has caused anxiety and depression and all those things that won't allow us to rest. So today, we're gonna go to the scripture and find rest. Say with me, find rest. Rest is something that we have to find in this season. Let us pray. Father, we come before you today as earthen vessels. We pray that you would fill us today with heavenly treasures, that the excellency of the power might be of you and not of us. You've already breathed on your word. Scripture is God-breathed. Breathe on us today. God, I pray that heaven would respond to the cleansing breath and that you would meet every need. You know right where we are. Do something supernatural by your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin with a text in the book of Job. Job 3 and 26. Job 3 and 26. Say amen when you have it. It's on the screen, so we all have it. Job says, I am not quiet. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, for trouble comes. What is interesting about this text, there are many things. We could spend the whole message on just this, but there are a few things. Job is a man who God himself testified to the devil that there was nobody like him in the earth. He was righteous and he shunned evil. He loathed evil. He eschewed it. He put it away. Can you put the text back up? Please put it back up. But he said, I'm not at ease. I'm not at ease. Nor am I quiet. The things that were racking his body caused him to groan and make sounds continue. You can't sleep, you can't rest. He couldn't turn over because his whole body was infected. He couldn't lay, there was no position that he could lay. He sat up and the scripture says for seven days he sat there. His friends were quiet but Job lets us know, I nor am I quiet. He couldn't be quiet because of the agony. Can you imagine the constant Agony. There were no painkillers. And for the people who saw them, they perceived the wrong thing about them. Sometimes well-meaning people who come 
with a mind to encourage you do just the opposite. We want to learn about that. So not only can you and I find rest, we can help others find rest. And Job said, I have no rest for trouble comes. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. It's a dangerous theology to tell people you get saved and everything is going to be all right. Job was righteous and he had more trouble than anybody in the land. He was the most righteous in the land and the most trouble came because God allowed the enemy to test him because he knows what we could take. Sometimes trouble comes to you because God trusts you. He knows they're going to be resilient. They're not going to fall. They're not going to turn their back on me. This one I can trust. You can touch his body, but you can't touch his soul. All souls are mine. Sometimes when you're going through stuff, you ought to shout. Instead of being focused on the circumstances, look to God and say, God, you can trust me. I've come too far to turn back now. I've come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy, but I don't believe you brought me this far to leave me. I know you care about me. I know you love me. I don't have ease. I can't be quiet. I am restless, but God, you are my rest. I can rest in you. There remaineth the rest for the people of God. Here's a righteous man who can't find rest. But his friends say, you can't be righteous and in this condition because God, the, the people of God are blessed. And they call the blessed the outward things. I don't care how much you have, if you have no peace, you're not blessed. I don't care how little you have, if you have peace, you're blessed. There are folk who have big names and a lot of money, who have jets and riding Rolls Royces and they can't sleep. They can't take enough sleep medicine to get them asleep. They've been taking it so long that they'll overdose if they keep taking it. Uh, there's something about the peace of God. There's something about rest that is full of riches. There's a time when God says to his people, and I want you to write this in your notes. We're not going to put this up, but I want you to write down Isaiah 30 and 15. Isaiah 30 and 15. Because God was speaking to Israel, and Israel is a type of the church. And he says, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. There's a time God says, I want you to return. I believe that one of the reasons he shook up things with COVID is because he wanted his church. I'm not just talking about New Covenant. I'm talking about the church everywhere in the world because when God looks down, he sees one church. We have all these denominations and all this stuff. God is searching hearts and say, that's mine, you're mine, you're mine. He sees one church. So he's saying, in returning and rest is your salvation. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And then he says, 
but you would not. You resist. I want to give you rest, but you won't return. Sometimes we just need to return to him, but that's not always the case. And if we're going to help others find rest, we're going to talk about how we find rest, but if we're going to help others, we want to look at that also, you have to discern the situation. There's not a one-size-fits-all. There are times, Sister Christine, a word from God comes to me. That word may be just for me. It's not even lawful for me to speak. There were some things Paul said, I had visions and revelations. It's not lawful to speak. But if God reveals that to the wrong person, they want to boast. And they're going to tell people and act like it applies to you. It has nothing to do with you. It's God working on them to humble them, but they put it on you, and instead of building you up, it tears you down. And instead of you finding rest, you are restless because you're trying to figure out how it applies, and guess what? It does not apply. And we're going to see that, we're going to prove that by the Scripture. So sometimes God just says, in returning, you'll find rest. In quietness and in confidence, Job said, I can't be quiet. Is that because Job had a lack of confidence? No, it was because of the excruciating pain. And God knew that. God understood that. But those who came to comfort him, who came from far places, they were good friends of his, but they did anything but comfort. I want to make sure that we are never in that position, that as the body of Christ, we bear one another's burdens, we build one another up, we weep when the other one weeps, we rejoice when the other one rejoices, we mourn when they mourn, so that you know, even in the earth, not just in heaven, I never walk alone. God's got people around me. Job needed to be encouraged that in a way that was consistent with the will of God for him so that he would go through. Sometimes all I need is some hope. If you can just impart hope because there is no faith without hope. And if you're making me feel hopeless when you walk away, you haven't helped me. We want to impart hope. Somebody say, find rest. Let's go a little further. Job 4, and we're going to read a little bit. I want you to listen carefully because this word speaks for itself. Job had three friends. The first one to speak, his name is Eliphaz. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar all had words, none of them encouraging. They all sounded like scholars. None of them encouraged him. They all sounded theologically deep. Every one of them missed God. Every one of them find rest. Put up Job 4, 12 and 21. I want you to understand the sequence. We just read Job 6. That's Job speaking after he heard from Eliphaz. And he told him how he was feeling. Job probably said, Bruh, you don't understand what I'm going through. Let me, let me tell you something. 
I have, not, I have no ease, nor am I quiet. You hear my groanings. I have no rest, for trouble comes. But yet, here is what he says, and you can take notes as we read it because it sounds very spiritual. If you just read this by itself, Elder Cal, you say, man, this, what a revelatory word. What insight. And he was as far away from God as heaven is from earth. I don't want to lead the witnesses. So let me read the word. Now a word was secretly brought to me. First thing, if the word was secretly brought to you, keep it a secret. <laughs> Don't reveal your secrets to me. If God wants me to know it, he'll reveal them. I ain't going to critique Eliphaz too much. I don't know the brother. I ain't got nothing against him. But now a word was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a whisper of it. A still, small voice came to me. So you better pay attention. You better pay attention. Next verse. In disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men. He's telling you how spiritual he was, that when the rest of y'all sleeping, God is talking to me. Fear came upon me and trembling, which made all my bones shake. Now I want to make a point. This is very important. This experience was real. He's not making it up. He's not lying. It just does not apply to Job. That's why discernment, when you're ministering to someone to help them find rest, when they're not at ease, you have to discern the moment. You have to talk to God. You can't go to your past experience, which was just for you, and give it to them. You have to, in the moment, they were there for seven days. Were they not praying? Were they not seeking the mind of God? Or did they come in their own righteousness? You will never help anyone find rest. Nor will I, you or I, find rest in our own righteousness. Let's go to the next verse. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair on my body stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. Then I heard a voice saying, can a mortal man, can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? Translation, Job, who do you think you are? Next verse. If he puts no trust in his servants, he's talking about God now. If he charges his angels 
with error, how much more those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed before a moth. They are broken in pieces. From morning till evening, they perish forever with no one regarding. Last verse. Does their own excellence go away? They die even without wisdom. Hold that up for a minute. So imagine Job in his mind and in his heart is on his deathbed. He knows this has got to be the end. And here is a friend who said, you're going to die a fool. You're about to die a fool. Why don't you admit that you're a sinner? Why don't you admit all the things in your life that you've done wrong and the reason God is judging you now? When the truth is, God trusted him so much, he allowed the devil to run rampant. But he couldn't discern that. He could not discern it because he did not seek the mind of God. The first way that we can lead people to a place of rest is we must have the mind of Christ. We must have the mind of Christ. When you're in the hospital room, don't come with something premeditated. Pray before you get there. Pray while you're there because what you want to give is hope. This last line, he's saying, Job, I've, I've been watching you for seven days, bruh. This is done. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. You came from dust. But Job was a man of God. I'm sure somewhere in his spirit it bubbled up. But he remembers that I'm only dust. Though the Lord be high, yet has he respect for the lowly. He remembers that we're only dust. The last part of what he was saying is like, you have no value. Your life has no value. When you're gone, you're going to be forgotten. He's saying that to a man who just lost 10 children, who all of his servants are dead. And he's saying to him, you have no value. You're never going to be remembered again. Does that seem like he's giving him hope? No. He's judging him instead of encouraging him. When trouble comes in waves, you, you need somebody to encourage you. Somebody to come and feel what you feel. They don't have to necessarily have been in your shoes. They just need to, it has to be a heart to heart. Two weeks ago, I, I was in Charlotte visiting some dear friends and I went to Elevation Church and uh, Stephen Furtick wasn't there that day, and the guest was uh, Dr. E. Dewey Smith, who I never saw in person. But man, I love that brother. He brought a word that changed my camera angle on my phone, because I was up, I was down, I'm up again. And he told the story about waves of trouble coming in his life. He was very close to his mother, and his mother died, and it caused great pain. 
So he had to prepare her funeral. He's the one in the family. He's the minister of the gospel. And he did, his best friend was with him making preparations. One hour after they finalized the service, his best friend died suddenly. And now he has sorrow upon sorrow. Not many days hence, his sister, who I think of the siblings was the matriarch, had a stroke and died. Right after that, he has a brother who died. He said, in, four de in 30 days, I had to do four eulogies of people very close to him. He said, everything in me was gone. And he said to the, the packed house at Elevation Church, don't judge me. Don't spiritualize this. He said, if you have not walked in my shoes, you don't understand. Don't judge me. And he said, I did not want to preach. He said, I stopped traveling because he sought after. He's a scholar. He's a man of God. He's a great worshiper. You listen to him worshiping, you can feel God. The way, and he's a scholar, he understands the word. He breaks it down so that you can understand it, make you want to shout sitting down. But all that left, and he said his friends would come and say stuff to him, and he said, I wanted to hit him in the throat. I just wanted to hit him in the throat so they could stop talking. Have you ever been in a place where you need comfort and you have miserable comfort, who mean well, but they're spiritualizing things. I just need somebody who's real, who'll just sit down with me, who will feel what I feel, who will reach out and tell me that there is hope, that it's gonna be all right. It's painful right now. I know it's painful. I can't imagine you losing your dear mother and your sister and your brother and your best friend when you just together wept together and mourned and planned this funeral and before the day of the funeral, he dies. That's a lot. Sometimes life comes in waves. How do you find rest? When trouble comes, that's what Job said, I have no ease. I am not at rest. And the reason was because trouble comes. And it's not enough, Pat, for somebody just to say, trouble don't last always. I'm in it right now. I'm not talking about how long it's going to last. Right now, I have no feelings. I'm numb. I've lost so many people close to me. Life doesn't mean the same. I will never touch them again. I'll never talk to them again. Don't you understand? And he said, I just wanted to hit him in the throat. If you ever feel like hitting somebody in the throat, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. I know the feeling, but you have to restrain yourself. Put your hands in your pocket. Put your hands in your pocket. Trouble comes. So then, how do we find rest? There's a story, a true story. I think it's live and in living color right now. A family in Canada 
had a daughter named Mia. Their oldest and their firstborn, Mom Barla, but they had three others, they had four. And they, she started having trouble with her sight. And finally, they went and got a diagnosis. And she has a progressive degenerative disease that is causing her to go blind. Later on, they got, in 2019, they got their other three tested. All four of them have the same gene. They're young. They're, they're not even approaching their prime. They're school-aged children, all going blind. So what do you do when you, there's nothing you can do? It's progressive. It's gonna happen. Each day it comes closer. One of the ways that we find rest is we take charge. Lord, what can I do with the time that I have? How do I redeem the time? When you redeem the time, there's rest in that because now you don't feel hopeless. Now you don't feel hopeless. Now you don't feel that it's out of your hand. So what they decided to do was to pack their bags and take a world vacation. They wanted their children to see all the beautiful sights that the world had to offer. And there are pictures of them in Europe and in Asia enjoying pools and the kids smiling. They didn't worry about how much it cost. They didn't worry about are they going to miss school. They said they, the darkness is going to cover my children in a while. So I want to create some pictures. I want to create moments because life is about the moments. Life is made up of moments. When we have tough times in our family, and I thought about this as I was preparing for the message, and this wasn't, this is not something we do because we are looking for therapy or counsel. It's just something that God has birthed in us. We talk about a time a happy time when we did something together and all of a sudden everybody is smiling and everybody's contributing and what, whatever was heavy is lifted. You don't even remember that. You can be in a blazing argument and all of a sudden everybody's joined together because the moment brings you together. What this family was doing was saying we're going to redeem the time. We're going to go and we're going to create pictures so that our children have a sense of the light. And when they dwell in darkness, they will remember this and we can talk about it and we can bring the pictures of that moment so they won't be blind. In their spirit, they'll be seeing. Although they're in darkness in the natural, they'll be able to see. They took action in order to find rest. Remember last week, for those of you who are here, Willie Moore Jr. Uh, preached out of the book of Mark, the, men, the man who was blind, and when Jesus spit on him, it wasn't the spit, which sounds gross. No, 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 it was his DNA. The purest form of DNA is in our saliva. Forensic, when they take they take a swab of your saliva. That DNA is more pure than even a blood test. They just take a swab and they got it. So Jesus was imparting 
his DNA. Somebody needs to find rest. Jesus, would you put your DNA on somebody today so that they can find rest? But Willie Moore brought out a good insight. He said, how does this man know what a tree looks like? It's because he saw before. Those children, they're going to see all these sights. And even 20 years from now into their blindness, they will have mental pictures that they can see. So their parents are wise. So one way to find rest, when it seems like the circumstances of life are crushing you, redeem the time. Because our tendency and our proclivity is to wallow in it and to be immobile and to be isolated. That's the worst thing you can do. Don't do that because rest doesn't find you. You find rest. And we're going to get to that in the scripture in a moment. I want to tell another story with the time that I have left about a man. Can you put up the picture of Robert Smithus? Some years ago, several decades ago, I was introduced to him, not live, through Barbara Walters. She did a special, and she said, his name is Richard Smithus, S Smith, D-A-S. Later on, you can Google him, he's amazing. But she said something that caught my attention. She said, people have often asked me, what is the most memorable interview you've ever done? And she said, I've interviewed kings and queens and presidents and A-listers. I've in interviewed princes and people, high-ranking people all over the world. But the most impactful and most memorable was Robert Smithus. And the reason is he was born blind, and he was born deaf. Like Helen Keller, he never, not a day in his life, did he ever hear words. What is language to a person who's never heard a word? What is, what are your, what is the surroundings of a person who's never seen one second in their life? If anyone would have trouble finding rest, and you could understand it, it would be this person. Helen Keller used to get angry and lash out. Smithness never did that. Here's what he said. He's a, he's a deaf-blind poet. How does that go together? Where does poetry come from to a person who's never heard and who never saw? How do you learn it? How do you teach? He has multiple degrees, by the way. How does that work? This brother would go to church every Sunday. Every Sunday. For what? You can't hear what's being said. You can't see anyone around you. But you know what he said? He would feel, he was back to the throat again. He would feel people's throat and communicate. When he was talking to Barbara, he would hold her throat. See, that's much better than hitting him in the throat. <laughs> that's a better approach. 
I want to cleanse us of hitting somebody in the throat. <laughs> a situation going to come up where you want to hit them in the throat, you can just touch it. <laughs> so anyway, he said when, he, when he's in worship, he feels the vibration of the pews. And that brings him in the presence of God. My prayer for you is that you would feel the vibration. That there would be something that's moving that causes you to sense God. Not just what someone is saying, but because the presence of God is so much here. If a man who can never see, Ravella, and who never heard can sense the presence of God just by sitting on the pew, how much more can the seeing and the hearing experience God? He is one of the best case studies I know for finding rest. Here's what he said. He said, blindness takes you away from scenes, but deafness takes you away from people. And when he says it, it has credibility. What does he mean, deafness takes you away from people? Do you know when you're having an argument with your, anybody you're in a relationship with, a child with a parent, parent with a child, husband, wife, brother, sister, that it is more tolerable for you to yell at me than to be silent, to say nothing. If my wife Denise decides I'm done talking to you and I'm trying to make up and still nothing, that takes you away from people. Don't ever give the silent treatment. If you need a moment to get space, go in a different space because if someone is trying to communicate and you are not talking, Listen to a deaf man. It's taking you away from people. Reading that made me understood why the silent treatment hurts so bad. It makes you feel invisible. It makes you feel like your voice doesn't matter. I will never again in my life give the silent treatment. After hearing the testimony of Richard Smithus. So he's deaf. He's blind, he's never seen a sight, he's never heard anything. His wife is, is blind. She was born deaf, but she turned blind. She had a skiing accident. So you have two people who are deaf and blind and they live independently. When you Google it, you'll see he cooks his own food. The fire is up high, he puts his hand in. I'm like, man, don't do that. But that's how he knows how to set it. He has certain dishes that he loves to make. Deaf and blind and he's still living life. Where does the inspiration to do that come from? When people can't communicate to him, he can't go to his pastor for counseling. He and his wife can just make sounds, but nobody hears it. Can you imagine, even if I make a sound, if I'm in trouble, if I go, ah, the person who I'm living with can't hear it. But God takes care 
of them. He took care of them. He's no longer with us. Let's go a little bit deeper into his story. He's a poet, and this is a poem that he wrote, one that I picked out because I think it's appropriate for finding rest. He says, I praise my God, for he has guided me through the darkness, too intense to find the day. Now I want you to know these are the words of a man who has never seen, but he says, God is guiding me. Can you see a relationship there? How does he get to know God when he never had a teacher? But he's teaching the world what God is like. And he never saw a sight in his life. He never heard a word. How does he find rest? He says, I praise my God, for he provided me with music when all sound had died away. I've never heard a sound, but I hear music. When I, when I read that, I started thinking, up above my head, I hear music in the air. He doesn't hear music the way we hear it. He can't hear the organ, but he said, God has given me a song. He said, for he provided me with music when, the sound, when all sound had died away into the songless darkness of my days. The light of hope and song of love have crept until my spirit sings this hymn of praise to him who woke me when my whole life slept. He said I was living as a dead man. Couldn't hear, couldn't see, but God shined the light and God gave me a song. God showed me light. God took me by the hand and led me and I said, God, what does this mean? He said the reason he was able to find rest because he totally depended on God. He had nowhere else to turn. It wasn't he never coveted his neighbor's house because he couldn't see the house. Where he lived, as long as it was warm in the, in the winter, and cool in the summer, it didn't matter. He wasn't looking for luxury. He could never drive a car, so he didn't care about a Bentley. His total dependency was on God. He had nobody else. Nobody else could reach him. Nobody else could sing a song that he could hear, but the Spirit of God did something in his spirit. What is language to him? What language do you speak to a man who doesn't know language? But God knows. See, God knows how to speak to us in a language we understand. So he, he got, I forgot how many honorary doctorates because the world marveled that he could do this. And he was able to, and the most, out of all the powerful people that she interviewed, she said the most impactful was this man who the world would say, what is he worth? How does he get a job? How do you take care of yourself? Like you have to live your whole life on social security. But he didn't worry about those things. What is the point? The things that make me worry never impacted his life. 
And I realize that if I am going to find rest, I have to have greater dependency on him. Here's the question, and I want you to write it in your notes, the answer. There is no right answer. You all are going to see it different. Which is harder to praise God and to depend fully on him? The lot of a man like Robert Smith is, who is deaf and blind, or you and me, who can see, who take in all the stimulus, who see things, who are tempted constantly. The one is deprived of everything, and you can lash out, and you can say, nobody knows what you're thinking because you can't express it. You can just lay down and die. But he praised God. He encouraged the world by writing beautiful poetry. He had an intimate relationship with God. So who's, who has the bigger challenge? Here's the second question. You ready? Who has the potential for greater intimacy with God? I'm going to make this multiple choice. Smithless being deaf and blind, you and I being, see, being able to see and hear, or both. I'm talking about access, who has the greatest potential. Now I can tell you from his life, there are not many people that I've met and communicated with, and I know myself, who would have this kind of praise just based on some of the things that trouble me and some of the things, I haven't had anything this bad happen in my life, but I've complained. They've never known him to complain. Did he have anything to complain about? Could he have said, God, why me? Why me? At least let me hear so I'm not removed from people. Or at least let me see, why did you give me this lot? Yet he says, I praise my God. He has led me through the light. See, there's nobody else, so he follows him. He will follow his lead. When you have many options, when you have many options, you ever go to a restaurant like Cheesecake Factory, that the menu is 12 pages. You're like, what am I going to choose? You have to do what I do. I know what I like, and I just choose that. I don't even look at the menu. But when there are so many options, one of the reasons God reduces our options through trouble, because it makes the choice easier to choose life. It breaks my heart when my children, who I'd give my life for, choose destructive ways. It causes you to say, God, what? Because they belong to God. You have to say, God, what do you want me to do? What is it? Show me. Show me so I can lead them to the light. If God could lead Richard Smith this to the light, he can lead anybody to the light. What is light to a man that has never seen? How do you describe what the sky looks like to a blind man? 
There are some things that if we had to express it, it would be difficult to do. Imagine a person who never saw in their life, but they could hear and they could speak, and they come to you and they say, Brenda, what is the sky like? Describe it. Could you describe it in a way that is so vivid that they could see it? This man who has never seen, who has never heard, has vivid imagery of why he praises God. He's able to find rest because he rests in God. And now, here's where we're going to close. And I want you to Google him, Richard Smith, the Smith, D-A-S, so you can continue this on your own. Matthew 11, 28, 29, and we're going to land the plane. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Next verse, which is the last. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and here is the heart of the message, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. When my soul is at rest, I'm emotionally stable because the soul houses our emotions. It houses our intellect. It's the place where our will lives. When I find rest for my soul, I'm more likely, the probability is much higher that I'm going to follow Jesus. And he said, the way to make that happen is to learn of me. When you engage in learning of me, what happens? You will find rest for your soul. One of the reasons there's so much unrest is because there's instability in the soul. Our emotions are all over the place, even young people. Our emotions are all over the place. But when we receive what he has for us, there can be a storm raging, and he's able to say, peace, be still. He doesn't just do that when the wind and the, and the waves are raging and the billows are high. He does that in my life and in your life. Come to him. This sounds rudimentary. It's like, I know that. But his invitation is to me, it's to you. When, you're, when you are heavy, when you are laden, burdened down with stuff, that's when I want you to learn of me. I want you to learn of me. Here's what else he told me to tell you. When you are in a place where you need prayer, pray for somebody else. Because when you pray for them, you release faith, not just in them, but in yourself. You build up your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. And when you take your care off yourself, you're casting your care on him, you're focusing on somebody else, and you will find rest every time. What the devil wants you to do is focus on the trouble. Even Job, who was righteous, was giving a testimony of his trouble. His focus was on his trouble 
and not on God. So he had no rest. Somebody say, find rest. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.